everyone. In this episode, I speak with Samir Magani, the CEO and founder of Instawork. We cover his entrepreneurial background with his parents, his understanding of the difficulty of hiring good talent back in the day, his experience as Groupon and how he was able to unlock that actually one of the barriers to businesses growing was the lack of talent and workers and professionals to help. And we cover his story about how he went through the paces and got Instawork to work, some of the difficulties and challenges he overcame and some of the very scrappy ways that he got Instawork off the ground. And we talk about his current great success with the company as well. How did you think about starting a company with a newborn? And I say that because my wife and I had started a company together and it's like a few months before our first kid was born, like I had to stop. I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. My wife kept running it. She sold it out to Optimizely. Uh, and that's what moved us to San Francisco. But how did you sort of emotionally think about, yeah, I can make this happen. I can do it. Well, generally, my my wife and I have had a trend of bundling like multiple chaotic life events together at once. So I, I think we got married, went on our honeymoon, like moved to Chicago, all within like three to four weeks of of one another, and so I'm um, having so it seemed like the logical thing to do given given our, our our life history, and then and then and EJ, as you know, you generally don't get a lot of sleep when you when you have no. a newborn, and you don't get a lot of sleep when you're uh, starting a company. And so there are some similarities, you know, there as well. But nice. so, no, you know, so I, that I, to I, you I was like, go ahead. Oops. I was gonna say like that was an opportunity. You you're like I'm only gonna sleep four hours a night anyway. I might as well be up working on a company while I'm you know, rocking a baby, for example. Yeah. I had, I, I knew I wanted to start a company after leaving <laughs> my, my last job. My last job, I was an executive at, at Groupon and having, you know, a life event, it sort of gave me an opportunity to, tr- to sort of make those transitions faster. And so it perhaps gave me inspiration, right, to sort of move faster as I saw my life changing so quickly. God. I mean, that, that's fantastic. That's great. So like you're at Groupon. You're an executive at Groupon, a company that's doing pretty pretty well while you're there, right? And you're about to have a kid. And then you're like, okay, now is the time for me to come up with Instawork. Is that is that right? How do you think about that that origin story? Yeah, well, it, the, the, the origin story for Instawork started actually much earlier than that. EJ, when, when we first chatted, I, I think I told you I grew up in Southeast Michigan. My parents had immigrated here from India and uh, they owned a couple small businesses. And so my first memories of, of working were basically helping my parents who owned these small businesses with labor shocks. Uh, and the labor shocks would either be because they had a surge of orders coming in, someone needed you know, a bunch of, sort of medical gloves, they had a medical supply business, or, or maybe a supply shock, like someone left the office early or, or, or someone they wanted to hire didn't, didn't come in. And, and so I learned a lot growing up about the challenges, the labor challenges that small businesses have. But fast forward to the Groupon experience that that just predated the founding of Instawork. Groupon solved the uh, marketing problem for business, small businesses, right? How do we get uh, a ton of customers in the door to fill empty seats? And I had a bunch of different roles at Groupon over the time I was there in product roles, marketing roles, sales roles. But when, when I was actually running, helping run the, the go-to-market team for, for North America, one of the biggest challenges that came up when talking to the businesses was we don't need 
more customers. We actually need more staff. And can you solve that problem for me? And I, it, it struck me that these were businesses that, that couldn't achieve their highest potential because they were down a dishwasher or a cook or a server. These were restaurants that would be half empty. And this was before DoorDash and Uber Eats and all these services to get businesses more customers. The question was like, how can we, how can we get great staff right in the door who can stick around? And, and so as I was leaving Groupon, about to have a child and wanting to start a company, it, the, the idea that around InstaWork really struck me for two reasons. One, it felt like a great business idea that there are all these businesses who are trying to get matched with hourly workers and the current ways of doing that seem to be high friction or ineffective for both sides. And it felt like something the world just needed. You know, EJ, at, at, at your your company, Indeed, and, and even at Instawork, you know, we'll, we want to go find a software engineer or an executive. You know, we can go to Headhunters, we can go to LinkedIn, you know, we can use Indeed. There are many places to go, but for that restaurant that needs, you know, a cook or for a warehouse that needs hundreds of warehouse workers getting ready for you know, Q4 holiday peak or for an NFL stadium that needs, you know, a bunch of servers and cooks, but only every other Sunday for the NFL season, you know, where do you go? And so it felt like a good business idea. It also felt like something the world just needed. That's, that's interesting insightful. So I think a couple of pieces I pull out of there are like one as a Groupon customer in the past, I don't think I ever would have realized that the business I was bringing in potentially was something they didn't wouldn't be able to handle. I think from a demand perspective, I always thought of it like, okay, these prices are lower. Maybe their profitability is hurting. Probably have high fixed costs. But the idea that actually they probably wouldn't be able to handle the additional volume is an interesting insight that I definitely wouldn't have picked up on. I'm curious as you were thinking about this opportunity. Like I would have thought about it and been like, hey, the pay is not that high. The margins in these businesses are pretty small. It, it like, wouldn't have been something that I would have been like, this is a great opportunity. Now, obviously, it would have been wrong because you, know, you all have done extremely well. But I'm kind of curious as you were thinking about it and sort of like working through that mental piece, how did you really understand that there was a, a financial opportunity, a business opportunity here, not just a problem that needed solving? Well, before I answer your question, I'll, I'll tell you a story from the early founding days, right when we were in Y Combinator uh, back in, in, in 2015, um, we were sitting, we were meeting investors um, in the lobby of a well-known hotel here in San Francisco. And I remember um, walking over to the, a couple of investors that were sitting in, in sort of these big chairs. And they said, we're meeting them to talk about investment in InstaWork coming out of a demo day. And they said, we're here, you're in the staffing business. And we said, well, yes. And they said, we've heard great things about you. So like, what do you staff? And uh, you staff designers or uh, engineers or like, sales executives. And we said, no, 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 none of that. You know, we staff like line cooks and servers and busters and dishwashers. And I still remember to this day, the look on their face, these investors were like, how much? And they're like, how much does like a line cook make? And I said, in San Francisco, 15, 16 bucks an hour. And I still remember that look on their face, like there's not a market here. And I think that meeting lasted like 15 minutes. And, yeah. uh, and uh, it wasn't wasn't a good fit. So I, I will say, you know, we didn't start this company. We didn't do some massive TAM analysis or build a spreadsheet. We we had some friends who owned restaurants in San Francisco at the time, you know, back in 2015. And it turned out the hardest position to hire for in the Bay Area in 2015 wasn't actually uh, a software developer, you know, who spent 10 years at Google. It was actually a $15, $16 an hour line cook. 
you know, to work, you know, the PM shift at a restaurant. That was actually the hardest role to hire for. And I was intrigued when hearing a couple of our friends in the hospitality industry talk about what a struggle it was. And it felt like a problem worth solving. And it was, it was a, the problem was so bad that many of them, you know, it, it affected the quality of the, their service, affected the reviews that customers would leave them, their ability to be successful. And so the, I, I paid less attention to the size of the market, but I paid a lot of attention to the size of the problem. And for the reasons I mentioned earlier, it felt like an interesting business idea and, and one that was a really big pain point for a lot of businesses who employ you know, skilled hourly workers. And then on the other side, for skilled hourly workers, like if businesses can find them, how are they finding jobs? And, uh, and how are they finding work? And how are they affording how are, how are they able to afford to live in cities that are getting increasingly expensive? And so the magnitude of the problem kind of pulled us into the opportunity. I love that. I think like following the intensity of that plain point as a guiding principle is great. And then, you know, you brought up the lack of workers is also going to affect the business in terms of reviews. So there's this compounding negative effect from not having the right workforce, the right amount of workforce. And like, that's another great insight. So this is clearly a problem that restaurants and hospitality businesses want to solve. Can you walk us through how Instawork actually works to solve this problem? Yeah. So at, starting at a high level, right, we're a, a marketplace that connects local businesses with a network of about 2 million qualified hourly workers who we call professionals. And so the app is, first of all, for the, for the workers, again, who we call professionals, the app is totally free. Uh, they download the app, they create a profile and can get to work in less than 24 hours. The app's available in English and Spanish. And when we talk about creating a profile, our, our pros are telling us a lot about themselves. What are your skills? What are your certifications? Where have you worked? Tell us all the things about you that can help us ensure that you'll be a great fit for the opportunities that, that businesses post. On the, on the business side, and we call the businesses that use Instawork Partners, they'll use our mobile app or our website to post shifts. They'll tell us when the shift is, where it is, the types of skills and attire they're looking for, who the on-site contact is. And then as soon as they hit the submit button, those shifts get dispatched to our pros who have the mobile app we've already vetted and sort of enabled to receive notifications of, of, of that type. So the great news with our, with our business is that businesses only pay when there's a successful match between a partner and a professional. There's no upfront fees to get started. Um, there's no physical hardware or any sort of onerous contract. Businesses post their needs and get matched with you know, skilled quality professionals who show up. In terms of the matching, we look at like 30, 40 data points to ensure that there's a good fit on both sides between partners and pros. And so we... We, we collect a lot of data up front. And then, of course, after every shift, both sides um, get to rate each other and, 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 and help us sort of uh, calibrate the quality of the match. And so feedback on the quality and the performance of our pros, feedback from pros on the business, all of that helps us make better decisions later on and help the marketplace operate in a higher fidelity manner. That, that's helpful. So as I understand it, it's this marketplace model that connects. So you have about 2 million pros. There's a mobile app they could download. It's pretty pretty highly rated mobile app too when I was looking at 
the background on it. And then businesses come on and they talk about what they want. As the pros sign up and onboard, there's going to be a whole amount of information they fill out. And then you probably have some type of data science matching team that works in the background to sort of help identify the right people across a number of different factors. And then the payment works, there's just a, a match fee only. And that's paid by the, sorry, what did you just call them? I know it wasn't. Uh, oh, the partners. Partners. Yeah, the partners. partners. Yeah. You can pull out a the credit card and, 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 and put it in and then we'll charge you, you know, if there's a match for the amount of time, the, uh, the professional work there. Samir, so, so as you were getting started, you know, you mentioned hospitality businesses and restaurants. Who did you start with as your ideal customers? And then how has that changed and expanded over time? And who would you say are sort of the core customers now on the core, core partners? Yeah. So we started in San Francisco helping restaurants hire line cooks. And in order to build liquidity in our two-sided marketplace, we, we didn't want to boil the ocean. We wanted to start with the narrowest possible customer segment we, we could EJ because as you know it's just much easier to be successful when you're you know have a small number of people who really love you and you can really understand their pain points in a deep way. Today I would I would say our, our, our core focus with our partners, again the businesses that use us are, are really those that need skilled hourly workers. That's that's the the simplest way to talk about the customers we service. The key categories for us are you know, hospitality, food and beverage. I mean, it's expanded now to include retail, e-commerce, as well as light industrial. Although we started initially servicing very, very small businesses, very local businesses. Now we serve businesses you know, as big as, as large international corporations, publicly traded companies, as well as you know continuing to make sure that we're servicing the needs of, of, of independent local businesses who who really need the service that we're offering. I think the common thread across our partner base is, is there need to like scale up and down their workforce as needed, right? So they all need to be able to attract and retain large numbers of skilled hourly workers, but this desire for flexibility back to the restaurants I was talking about earlier, EJ, or even like a hotel. Now there are all these services, right? There's delivery apps, who make them very busy during particular times of day. There's seasonality and tourist seasons in specific cities. There's supply chain disruption, right, which, which, which uh, affects uh, a lot of our customers. And so they need the ability at the click of a button to be able to attract qualified, reliable, you know, skilled hourly workers all at once. So I think that's the common thread. So sort of like the AWS for skilled hourly working workers, scale up and down as needed. A couple questions that come out of that. One, do your parents still have their small business? And if so, are they customers? <laughs> no, they, 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 they do not. I'm, I'm sure if they were customers, my mom would be calling me all the time about, about, about she'd be my best uh, QA, best sort of QA service. No, my parents do not, do not own their small business anymore, but they're, uh, they've been uh, great supporters. Of, of, of me and the company, you know, during our journey. And they, they actually retired in India. So they spend most of the year there. Okay. Well, congratulations on that retirement for them then. And then, you know, you started with very narrow focus customer segment, small businesses, restaurants in San Francisco. And now it sounds like you have a national and even international group of customers going from small to, I think, probably very large organizations. And I think of I think national football stadiums, I think of Cisco as a very large sort of food conglomerate. 
How did you make that transition from very small and go up market? Because not every company does that well. Like that, that is you know pretty skilled. How did you think about that transition? One of the benefits of, of being a two sided marketplace, and again, this will be really familiar to you um, at, at Indeed, is is you have the ability to harness network effects to grow really, really quickly. And for us, we saw that help fuel our growth in a couple of ways. As our penetration in a single market like the Bay Area grew referrals and organic as a percent of signups um, on, on the partner side, but also on the pro side, just started taking off, right? Every restaurant owner knows a caterer, a caterer knows you know, a hotel manager, you know, manager knows somebody in a cloud kitchen. And, and so you start to build density very, very quickly in the customer segment you're penetrating. And then you'll start to have a restaurant owner talk to another restaurant owner, maybe in LA. And, you know, that restaurant owner in LA knows someone who's a chef at SoFi Stadium, which, 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 which is where the, the Rams and the uh, Chargers play. And then that chef maybe used to work in another city one of the things I tell our, our team here is water flows downhill, EJ. And so when you're able to get pulled right into new growth adjacencies by your existing users, it's just a fantastic way to grow. Um, the quality of those signups is much higher um, and you can just grow at a much faster pace. So the way we were able to sort of make the shift into what you know you described international, you're serving international heterogeneous partner base from you know a single location restaurant in San Francisco was just a lot of magic fueled by great experiences and word of mouth. The second piece of it is we did we have built a great go-to-market engine. We have our go-to-market efforts are, are led by Kathy, who's our new CRO who joined last summer. She's fantastic. Her along with you know Mike Bonet, who runs sales, who's been at the company a long time and the growing team we have make sure that we're able to capture and accelerate all that sort of potential energy that the referrals are generating. And so I can talk more about the go-to-market sort of side separately, but really our path to scale um, has been um, follow your customers, follow your users, let them guide you, and then and then accelerate it with the great, great go-to-market investment. So, so it sounds like that intense product market fit pulled you into those customer bases, and then you were able to take advantage of like, hey, this is working Let's figure out something to how to make this work even better and faster. Is that, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. That's nice. Nice. That's nice. Having, you know, done my own startups where the product market fit was more questionable, it's got to be great when that that actual pull happens. On the on the pro side, what is the ideal profile of an InstaWork pro? How did you think about targeting the right groups of people to start out with? And is that still the same group of people? Has it changed over time? So we look for people that have the will and the skill to work. And so with on the will side, you know, we're looking for professionals who will show up are you know excited about using their mobile phone to tap into economic, you know, opportunity at scale and they're willing to be part of a community of, you know, 2 million, you know, professionals that are going to do you know, great work and represent um, themselves and, and the platform really well. On the skill side, EJ, we're looking for pros that have previous experience 
in the categories where they want to work on InstaWork. So if you're a cook and you want to be a cook on InstaWork, um, at least today, you know, we'll look for, you know, do you have the right attire? Do you have the right tools? Have you done this work before? Are you doing it on a regular basis? I think we'll get to this later. We're excited about finding ways to augment, right, the training and help them be even more successful. But, but, but today we're looking for basically, you know, skill and will. A couple of the other common threads of, of the types of pros on InstaWork, they're seeking extra income. Most of our professionals are using InstaWork for supplemental income, right? They, they actually work, they have a day job or a permanent job that they really like, but on their days off or when they're maybe between opportunities, right? They're using InstaWork for consistent extra income. And then the last thing is they're looking for flexibility. And, and our service is really about enabling a growing class of workers to build a work schedule that works for them. And particularly the last year or two, you know, stories have been coming out, which have been awesome to highlight internally and externally. Parents who are trying to juggle childcare, not wanting to miss their kids' soccer games, not wanting to bartend every day till 2 a.m. Or we have a cancer survivor in Boston who needs InstaWork because he needs to assemble his schedule around doctor's appointments. And so I think flexibility and the desire for extra income sort of cut uh, across everybody. But then in addition, we're looking for what I call the will and skill to work. Does that mean that you have, say, a, a soft skills assessment? as well, like personality traits as people are onboarding. It sounds like obviously, you know, you mentioned attire and tools as part of that initial onboarding process. Do you also have some type of personality assessment piece into it? We, we don't do that today. And we're, we're looking at ways to, to sort of thoughtfully introduce that into our product in a way that doesn't actually create more bias and, 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 and really does reflect someone's capacity to be successful. And, and because of the high frequency nature of our product, EJ, we'll know very quickly if someone's not a good fit um, for the platform. I mentioned earlier, there's a rating system. And so we know generally pretty quickly, uh, but we haven't introduced that uh, in a rigorous way, you know, in, into the, into the uh, onboarding. Understood. So I mean, it sounds like obviously that the product for the, a group of people is extremely impactful in terms of what it allows them to do from earning extra income and flexibility. That's that's great insight. I think that's probably one of the most meaningful parts about working in sort of this HR tech future workspace is just what it can mean for people. Thinking yeah, about the, I always the say our pros. I always say our pros uh, speak with their swipes, and you referenced our mm. App Store reviews. I think our rating is like a four point eight out of five stars, and it's uh, it's a real treat to be able to you know, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday evening just go to the App Store and like review how people talk about InstaWork, and it. It's, it's just great to know that people are able to make ends meet or spend more time with their family or live the kind of life they want because our service exists. So it's, it's incredibly gratifying. Yeah, that, that's great. Thinking about, you know, InstaWork, the staffing agency has been around, like staffing as an industry has been around for 60, 70 years, maybe longer and 100 years. So it's not a new industry. And there are a large number of multi-billion-dollar customers. What was an insight you really had that sort of showed you that InstaWork could work? Like, what did some of the other people in the industry miss that you were able to take advantage of? So, EJ, we we didn't start with flexible work. We actually started InstaWork as a job board for restaurants 
and they would post an ad and people would apply and then we would really help them optimize that funnel, right? Getting people in for an interview and getting them eventually get hired uh, in the super, super early days. And I think one of the insights we had, and I, I, two of our board members, Bill Gurley and Nabil Hyatt, were on the boards of Uber and Postmates, respectively. And this idea of a mobile phone to lead to like faster outcomes, cur- you know, curated marketplaces, economic opportunity at the touch of a button on a, a phone, like really resonated with me over the last several years. And, and I think the big insight was around compressing the funnel. The insight that we had around flexible staffing was um, a managed marketplace may be a far better way to create good outcomes for both sides than, say, uh, a lead gen service where a lot of the work is still downstream for your users. I think a lot of innovation in staffing the last decade uh, or two has been around how do we optimize steps of the funnel versus just removing steps. And so in the case of InstaWork, you know, when businesses post a shift, pros have to opt in and pick a shift that, that works for them. But it's not a double opt-in. Like a business is not reviewing it. They're not calling someone in for an interview. Like once that match is made, you know, the expectation is that a qualified person shows up who can do a great job for the partner. They're putting an incredible amount of trust in us. But because we've sort of compressed the funnel by removing a lot of unnecessary steps, we can create very fast outcomes Right. We can use technology to remove a lot of the information asymmetry that existed uh, before and ultimately create value for, for both sets of users. I feel like one of the challenges that comes with that is just sort of the, the quality of the match afterwards. I think early on you mentioned something about people showing up. And I imagine, because I've seen in interviews and in other places, that having people actually show up to what they've committed to, particularly right now, is challenging. How do you compress the funnel with all, make sort of, while making sure that the end match is still high quality? When we talk about our value proposition to both partners and pros, it's very consistent, EJ. It's quality, reliability, and convenience. And I'm glad you mentioned quality. It's the number one word. We, we talk about every all hands, all of our product investments are around quality, reliability, and convenience. And it's really for exactly the reasons you mentioned. When you compress the funnel and you become a managed marketplace, you know, you're responsible for the outcome, right? And so we take that responsibility very serious, seriously, and we use what I call a high-tech, high-touch approach. So we've got a large product and engineering team. They're consistently adding you know, new features and, and building great product that ensures that the pros who are getting onboarded Right, are, are giving a signal that tell us that they're going to be a good fit. And then, of course, the rating system and all the work after the fact to make sure that quality is good. So, so they're doing a lot of work there. And then we've got you know, an operations team. We've got a support team. We've got an account management team. And the high-touch side of it makes sure that, that, that there's a human element involved as well. So we, 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 we put a lot of work into making sure that every pro that's turned on and who's able to pick, off, pick up shifts on InstaWork is with a high degree of confidence that they're going to show up and do a great job. And sometimes we get it wrong and we've got systems in place powered by humans and by technology to make sure that we can course correct, you know, very quickly. You mentioned no-shows. I think our no-show rate is like 1%. It's very, very low because pros take the responsibility of being on InstaWork really seriously, right? They know that they're going to get paid instantly when they clock out of a ship, that money is going to be in their bank account. They're going to get paid, you know, nearly double their state's minimum wage. 
But to get access to our platform, we have a couple of rules of the road, which are, you know, show up, do your best work, you know, behave like you're part of a community uh, that you're a steward of. And um, all of those things together create really, really good outcomes that drive the quality and reliability I talked about in our value prop. It sounds like you're... Your product has just had such strong fit. It's growing organically. Reviews are good. I'm assuming MPS is good. Are there other pieces that you have done outside of referrals to help accelerate growth on the partner side? Well, as I mentioned before, we've been building and scaling our our outbound go-to-market team uh, led by Kathy and Mike and Kyle. And we're hiring... Just a, a shout out, EJ, we're hiring great sales executives and account managers throughout North America. In case, in case anyone's interested, please, please, please visit our website. But um, investing in a great go-to-market team has been the single biggest input to accelerate you know, business acquisition. I mentioned uh, partner-to-partner referrals earlier, EJ. There's another sort of growth dynamic we've seen that's been pretty exciting and un- un- unanticipated, which is... We have pros who are actually bringing us partners, so workers who are bringing us new partners. And the way it works is, imagine it's some warehouse, a hiring manager is raising their hand and saying, "You know, I need staff. We need more more professionals, more workers." And and, and someone who works on Instawork or who's used our service actually will say, "You know, you should use Instawork to find people like me because they've had such a great experience." That was not one that we had expected, but we've seen more and more of it, particularly. Um, Right now, when a lot of businesses are struggling to find workers, and so it's turned out our pros are, in some cases, our best advocates. And there's there are examples of the of the service that we're providing, right? Because ultimately, we're in the people business, and so as much as we have an app and a marketplace and a platform, the pros who represent us in the field, right, in a warehouse, you know, under a tent, at a at a stadium, at a restaurant, they're they're actually the best vehicle we have to get businesses excited about. Uh, using our service. That, that that's such a great flywheel and so unanticipated. I never would have thought that the pros coming in using the service would then be able to go to the business to the partners and be like, "Hey, you like working with me? Here's five other people that that are sort of similar to me. Just use this service to find it." Like that's such a great unanticipated flywheel. I have to imagine your investors were happy when they sort of saw that, or maybe they saw it in the due diligence phase. H- how did the pro acquisition work? In the earlier days, I think sort of that you mentioned job board, but sort of cold start on a job board isn't necessarily easy all the time either. How did you manage that? So going back to the very, very, very early days, pro acquisition was almost entirely by hand. And it was partly to also do user research, but it's also like this, like the fastest way to build that density I talked about earlier. So like I remember walking down a street in the Mission District right here in San Francisco, EJ, where you and I uh, live. And before restaurants open, you go in the alley and you catch a cook grabbing a smoke or someone who's eating an early lunch outside the door and, and you show them the app. And you learn a lot during those conversations. Going back to, I, I referenced instant pay. You know, Earlier, you, you hear a lot about how people need extra income or where they're hanging out. And so maybe a few you know, line cooks in the mission talk about, you know, going to the same church and then you go to that church and that church lets you go reach, you know, 10 more of the same type of people. And I think there's no substitute for that sort of early hand-to-hand combat in those days and just going and recruiting, you know, people, you know, really early on. Since the, you know, and since 
since the pandemic has started in the last several years, almost all of our user acquisition has been word of mouth. We're a, a top 50 you know, business app in the app stores with 4.8 stars. Great pro experiences lead to tremendous you know, word of mouth, which is really powerful. And so that's helped us in two ways. Obviously, it's helped us in the markets we're in. Many of our signups, EJ, on the pro side are in markets that we haven't even launched yet. And so as we think about geographic expansion and, and, and even new categories, we have pros who have downloaded our app and signed up and built a profile who said, I'm ready to work, who just happen to be in a city where we haven't actually launched them yet. And, and, and so that data gives us a really great, it's just sort of a great, informs our roadmap on which cities and, and categories to go launch next. That that's fantastic. I mean, that's just got to be so helpful as a signal. You know, you mentioned the pandemic. In the early days of the pandemic, obviously, almost everything shut down, and now everything is accelerated. How have you handled that? You know, pandemic, post pandemic, or whatever phase we're in transition. It's obviously difficult for a business, and that's difficult in the particular field that you in you're in. Well. In terms of how we've handled it, I think it's been managing this accelerated trend towards flexible work. I mean, we knew it was happening. COVID and the pandemic simply accelerated it on both sides. You know, with our with our pros, it gave people a chance to reflect and think about what they wanted out of their work life. And, you know, hourly workers have said, well, if digital workers can be on Zoom and work from the beach, you know, at, at minimum, we want flexibility. And I think this is a group that's sort of not been talked about, you know, very much. And so we've been managing, you know, record numbers of downloads and signups from pros who've raised their hand and said, you know, we we want to play in the flexible workspace somehow, and we think Instaworks is the way to get there. On the business side, it's just been, uh, and, and EJ, I'm sure you're seeing this, just a lot of demand, right? People have used phrases like the great resignation or the great, you know, reshuffling, and businesses, particularly in many of the categories that we service, like hospitality, the warehouse world, supply chain you know, need uh, staff more than ever. They need flexible staff more than ever because like their world's changing and their world's changing in ways that they can't anticipate. And so the good news for us with all that change, back to like how we're managing um, our business post-pandemic, I just go back to first principles, quality, reliability, convenience. The, the need for flexible work has only gone up. The way we provide it the way is, is to ensure quality, reliability, convenience for both sides. That hasn't changed, but the stakes have gotten much higher. So, you know, we raised more capital last summer. You know, we were basically doubling our team, including product and engineering. We're investing more in the business to ensure that we can deliver quality, reliability, and convenience at this critical time when people really need our service to get back to work, to participate, you know, again, in the workforce and for businesses to get staffed to the levels that they need to be successful. You mentioned that you just took on a round of funding last year. You obviously have some great backers, it sounds like. Benchmark and Bill Gurley, Greylock. Outside of the capital, how have they helped out in non-financial ways? Look, I, I think we've got a fantastic board and when people ask about what makes Instaworks special and why, why we think we're going to build an enduring category defining company around flexible work. It's about the team and not just the management team and you know the hundreds of colleagues that I love coming into work with every day, but our board, it starts with our board too. And so you mentioned Bill, Nabil from Spark is great. Uh, we have 
Jeff Fleur, who's a former founder, the founder of StubHub, he led our, our last round. And we have two great independent board members I want to highlight. Jeff Doniker was a 10th employee at Yelp. Their chief operating officer was on their, he was on their board for many years, a great go-to-market expert. And then we recently added Jody um, Kozlak to our board. She uh, was an executive at Target Corporation for many, many years, the general counsel and ran HR there. And then she was at Alibaba after that. And so when you ask about the value the board brings, we've got a lot of diverse perspectives on the board and, 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 and they make me and the management team better every day. Two specific things that I can point to. One is recruiting. EJ, every executive search we run, you know, I'll pair the team with someone from our board to help us and run this search with us. It, it, it keeps the board close to the operation of the company. It gives them a chance to get to know the other executives. And we've got some board members who are awesome at recruiting. And as, 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 as you know, you know, recruiting, it's as hard for the businesses who use Instwork and it's, it's really hard for, for all of us. And so having a board that's committed to helping me be able to build a world-class team that can help build a world-class company has been, has been awesome. And the board also helps with business strategy. I use this analogy where you know, we're trying to build, we're trying to drive our car from point A to point B and a great board will like help you avoid like one or two potholes during that journey, like each. And so with business strategy, it's about like, what are the things that can really um, hurt your business? What are your blind spots? What should you be looking out for that, that you may not be seeing day to day? And so I'll give you one example. We had a board meeting in, in the spring of 2020, right when COVID hit EJ and a board member effectively had told us that, you know, we had been hunting deer, right? We'd started in the hospitality business, but the deer have left the forest. We've got to go hunt rabbit. And I still vividly remember that quote from uh, Nabil from Spark Capital, who's on our board. And, you know, when COVID hit, one of the things we realized was a lot of businesses that use Instawork, they were just negatively affected, right? Stay-at-home orders meant hotels and restaurants and event venues didn't need labor because they shut down. But we had a handful of customer segments the proverbial or so-called rabbit who who needed Instawork more than ever. And as you can imagine, e-commerce companies, warehouses, supply chain. And so I remember like that discussion at the board when it was like, look, you had this one or two or three you know, core customer categories that have temporarily gone away. They'll be back, but why don't you go double down on these emerging categories that have always been somewhat interesting, but you never had time to focus on. And that's an example of where the board really uh, helped us further um, our business strategy in a really productive way. That's fantastic. I mean, the idea that you needed to make that switch during the pandemic, board member obviously giving you encouragement, but you sort of saw those signs and went after it. That obviously, that takes some some sense of courage, I think, to pursue that, even if it sort of felt like the only alternative. On the pro side, are there other areas of the pro experience that you're thinking about how to improve and sort of continuing to work on and develop? I'd like to start and talk about our vision, uh, which is to create economic opportunity for local businesses and local professionals globally. And as we think about this phrase, EJ, of economic opportunity, the most basic version of that is just extra income, extra income, flexible schedule, uh, work on terms that you want. These are all things that we're doing right now for our pros. There, there are a few areas that we're trying to improve and um, deepen our relationships with our users and add more value to them in the spirit of economic opportunity. One is 
around financial services. You know, I mentioned earlier that we offer in free instant pay to many, many of our pros. This has, has, has gotten us to start thinking about what it might mean to uh, be able to offer a loan. So if EJ is a great server, he shows up on time, has a five-star rating, very reliable. Um, could EJ's in-store score be an input into a credit score, right? Can we actually help him provide for him and his family by leveraging proprietary data you know, that we have? The second area is offering training and leadership development. Um, you know, many, you know, some of our biggest shifts have hundreds and hundreds of in-store professionals coming together and some of our most senior and veteran, you know, pros like being mentors and coaches to other pros on the ground. And so we're thinking about ways in our software, we can offer that ability for our professionals to climb, you know, up the ladder and develop new skills that can make them successful both on in-store and outside of in-store. Hmm. That, that's great. You know, on, on that, we should talk about how do the InstaWork professionals actually get paid? So we pay them every week and the best professionals actually get instant pay. So when they clock out of a shift, mm. we'll send the money to their debit card on file literally within 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And it's super powerful. Uh, back to you talking about services around flexible work or staffing services having existed for a while. I think it's crazy that we have a dozen different ways to get pizza delivered to us in five minutes. Um, but a vast portion of the American workforce gets paid you know, every other week. And for people who need access to their income sooner, they have got to pay crazy high interest fees or you know go to a payday lender or just have to wait two weeks. And so we we think it's powerful to offer our pros free access to their earnings. And it's been a big differentiator for us. And one of the reasons we think our pros love our service so much. That's a great service. I and mean, obviously, you're rewarding your high value users with that instant pay. That's fantastic. I know we're running short on time. So last question, you know, your founding story shows clear insight into sort of how you thought about it, or at least it's presented with this very methodical way. What's a hypothesis you started with that you changed your mind on? I alluded to this earlier, which was this insight that a managed, curated marketplace, in many cases, EJ can deliver a better outcome than just sort of what I call lead gen or unmanaged services. And to be fair, you know, we didn't start out with this version of flexible work and the managed flexible labor marketplace we have today. You know, we started as effectively a mobile first job board for restaurants. And as we spend time the first year, year and a half, really trying to iterate on that funnel, how do we get people to apply faster? How do we get businesses to review the candidates who are applying? How do we get people to show up? In parallel, I saw what was happening, particularly with Uber, and how people could pick up their phone and just earn money at the touch of a button. And this idea of found money and speed and, and curation just really resonated with me. And so as a result, you know, we shifted our focus to flexible work and evolved into the company we are today. And I think that's a, that's a great example of you know, a place where we, we maybe started in the wrong direction, but we got to a better place. And I want to highlight you know, one of our four values as a company is always be learning. I think you asked a really great question because great entrepreneurs, great businesses um, are always about being learn-it-alls, not know-it-alls. And uh, I, I, think, I, think, I, I think 
you know, we've had multiple moments in our company's history where we've had to like, you know, switch pads, course correct, and and have, you, you know, sort of have conviction, but sort of weekly had weekly held conviction that can adjust as the world around us changes and as our customers needs change. So, you know, I think it's a fantastic question. That, that's a great, great insight and great, great learning too. I appreciate that. Hey again, this is EJ Lawless, your host of HR Tech Go to Market. Thanks for listening to that podcast episode with Samir Magani from Instawork. Next upcoming episodes are going to be another deep dive into DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. And if you want to connect or reach out, please feel free to find me on Twitter. My handle is elawless. Thanks you. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.